0: All right, guys, welcome back uh, to another edition of the Illuminati podcast. I'm your host, uh, Nathan Bond. I'm um, joined uh, alongside me, as always, Seth Barnador and Robert Steeg. Uh, th- this podcast, as always, this year, proudly presented by Irish 31. Uh, guys, uh, Irish 31, they're going to have uh, Bulls watch parties at all six Irish 31 locations uh, all season long. There's seven more games. Go out there, go have some fun. Uh, you know, go before the game, go after the game uh, on Saturday. Go enjoy, uh, you know, some beverages. We got They have wall-to-wall flat screen uh, and, and LED uh, walls with uh, the games on it. Sound up, Bulls-themed drinks, $5.16-ounce uh, Yingling Flight Cans, uh, N- Magic 94.9 on-site at select locations uh, for the Bulls bonus watch party with ticket giveaway, sponsor swag, and more. Uh, and, and it'll start about an hour before, before kickoff, uh, and they'll be there through the game snap a picture with coach Scott. Uh, it, it, there's a cardboard cutout in every single pub and it to Instagram for a chance to win tickets to the next USF home game. Make sure you tag at Irish 31 pub and hashtag horns up the bulls bonus watch party. Uh, the next one coming up will be uh, Thursday, October 28th um, at uh, Irish uh, 31 in Seminole. Uh, and uh, we'll be, we'll be setting something up uh, for that, for that game as well. Uh, So be on the lookout for that, uh, for the local folks. Uh, It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, let's, let's jump into it guys. That we had a bye week We didn't have to, uh, we got to enjoy our Saturdays. What would you guys do uh, during your bye week Oh God, what, what did I do?
1: Holy shit. Uh, Oh, yeah. I had to, uh, I had to help pack up a whole bunch of shit. Um, yeah. My girlfriend's moving in with me. So there's, there's the big news oh. of the podcast, the, the Yikes. Sorry, yeah, ladies, the big, yeah, the big drop. Um, Sorry, fellas. The, he's taken. <laughs> the mustache is off the market. Um, no, that's, that was my Saturday. Got it. Moving sucks, but you know, can, can hire some movers. We'll probably be doing that here soon.
2: Yeah, I had to chart the Florida game, so I watched Florida play Vanderbilt, and then watch Ole Miss blow a cover um, twice in a minute and a half against Arkansas. So that was fun. So that was really fun for me. Um, Yeah, but it was a great day of football. So I kind of just sat and watched all the great football that happened, and nice nightcap with Texas A&M beating Alabama. Which, you know, as someone that had Alabama covering. It was either Alabama, please lose. It's either cover or lose. I can't handle Alabama winning by a field goal. Because then what's the point of the whole game? It was just a waste of time, basically. So it was nice to see them lose and kind of see uh, maybe things will start opening up here this year and maybe get a real crazy year. So
1: How was, uh, how was the Florida Vanderbilt game? Was, was that a barn burner?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a thriller. <laughs> Down to the wire. It was over after the first drive. Uh, Florida scored a touchdown, and, and they ended up winning 42-0. So. Good for them.
0: Yeah. All those points. I'm jealous. Oh. All those points. I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, I had a good weekend with the kids. Did a lot of uh, Halloween type of activities. Went to a spooky train on Friday, and then they had a spooky trail, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, it's off of 52. Uh, and Uh, Park, I think, just passed it uh, up there in Pasco County. It was pretty cool, and then went to a uh, pumpkin patch Saturday morning, and then uh, watched the that Oklahoma Texas game, which was uh, insane. Um, it's really nice to to be able to enjoy and watch football, uh, college football, uh, when your team is not playing and you don't have uh, existential dread hanging over you. Uh, you know, up until that kickoff, and then afterward, so it was nice to just kind of decompress watch some football and uh just laugh at uh texas almost being back and then not being back at simultaneously so uh that was a lot of fun um yeah it was a good weekend overall bucks bucks won so that was that was great uh and then we're back we're back in action uh the the south florida bulls face the tulsa golden hurricane this saturday At Raymond James Stadium at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Make sure you hydrate. I think there's a cold front coming in on Sunday, so I don't think it's going to quite hit uh, Ray J in time for the game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as I pull up my handy-dandy weather map. Yep. Uh, It's going to be 90 degrees and sunny on Saturday, so uh, prepare uh, adequately. Um, Drink plenty of water and – It'll be an interesting game. Um, ESPNU, make sure you check that out. I think that's channel 151 for my Spectrum folks. Uh, get a plug in there uh, so Chris Torello can pay me, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. Let's let's kind of kick into it. We we we've kind of put SMU to bed. We put the first five games to bed. Um, you know the the title of this podcast uh, tonight is is proving ground because these next this next month is going to be where we find out what this team can truly be. Uh, USF is one of two teams in the nation uh, this year to have faced four top twenty five programs, and now they get a month where they they don't face any so uh, maybe by the time they face Houston they'll be a top 25 team if not already um but this is a chance where you can make up some ground and, and build some good momentum heading into that that final month of the season uh Seth uh, holistically, uh, what does Tulsa bring to the table that can uh, give USF fits, um, you know, besides just actually having their offense show up? <laughs> That's, that was going to be my number
2: one. <laughs> they they appear to be able to um, throw the ball all right. They're not nearly as good as they were last year. I know, I think Coach Scott said in his press conference that, you know, they bring a lot of guys back. I don't think they bring a ton at uh, key positions, so you got a new quarterback, you've got some obviously you no know, Zaven Collins on defense, and then you had some guys transfer out as well. so they still have some pretty good players off that off that good team last year um but and schematically they're pretty similar defensively they're gonna play a three down line, they'll bring some pressure sometimes um but may not be too different. I think they're a little more aggressive than b y u but you're gonna see a lot of three man line um and and then kind of not bringing more than three too much but they will bring some guys every now and then uh then on the other side of the ball it looked to me i just watched a little bit i haven't watched a ton of them but it looked to me like 11 personnel team not uh, two to similar to usf probably similar stuff zone run game you know last year they took some shots down the field in the passing game looks like they're doing some rpo stuff um running back I think didn't the guy that was injured last year is back I think right?
0: Shamari Brooks who's yes. in year 14 at Tulsa it feels like um yeah he he was really good he went over the 3,000 yard uh mark uh last week uh for his total and um this this dude's a, a straight up baller he was the one guy in I guess what 20 2018 I want to say that weird Tulsa game that uh lemon booty philip montgomery um kind of let usf back in i think it was that game i think samari brooks was really the only guy that i i truly worried about uh in that game and uh he's back in action he's he's looked good uh tulsa has actually uh had three different rushers rush for over 100 yards this year uh samari has two of those games he's uh, he's rushed for 416 yards for an average of 4.8. Uh, and then Anthony Watkins uh, is averaging 8.3 yards uh, per rush. With uh, He's rushed uh, 34 times for 282. And then uh, Daneric Prince uh, has rushed 47 times for 261 and two scores. Uh, so uh, they've got three backs who can really kind of run the ball pretty well. Uh, but they – I think the the thing that kind of stirs the pot for them, uh, at least offensively, is is Davis Brin, the, the quarterback, and you touched on it, Seth. He's replacing God. What is it? What is his name? Who was the guy? Was it Zach Smith? Zach Smith. I was yes. The most basic Smith. name. Seriously. Uh, and he Zach Smith. He was uh, pretty good. Um, he had a couple of. Weird, I think he had at least one weird interception in that game last year. Uh, before Zayvon Collins kind of ripped the game apart, uh, for uh, Tulsa and, and Blue end up blowing out USF 42 uh, 13, I believe was the final score there. Uh, it, uh it's gonna be uh, just another interesting matchup because of this USF defense they'll get some guys back uh, this week. Hopefully Mikayla points hundred percent or closer to hundred percent than he was uh, two weeks ago. Uh, TJ, TJ Robinson and uh, Jalen Herring should be back as well. Uh, still probably another week or so for, for Christian Williams to, to get back healthy, but uh, at least you're getting some more options back there. Uh, Seth, I did want to ask you, uh, Jeff Scott in his press conference this week uh, said that, you know, the, offensively for USF they've actually they've actually had to add some stuff uh, offensively for the first time this season just due to how Tulsa's defense uh, works he mentioned cloud coverage um, for folks who don't know what cloud coverage is and I, I will throw my hand up I, I know uh, it's a play in Madden that I never pick. I'm a big cover three cover uh cover four guy on third down um and i dropped the the inside corners uh, to the to the first down marker so uh cloud coverage what what is it what can it can it do to kind of disrupt you offensively and what what do you have to do to kind of
2: pick a pick up out pick apart this uh defense so uh a cloud corner i think is a rolled up corner that plays the flat a lot I'm trying to see if I can find a picture of it um a good picture of kind of cloud coverage, but typically a uh, cloud corner is kind of rolled up in the flat, so you may be you may have some guys in the f- playing in the flat or or playing more downhill uh outside so that's kind of really hard to see isn't it but cloud you see this kind of a rolled up corner, so kind of think of. Um, think of more traditional, like a traditional cover two, where the corners playing a hard flat. Um, they call they call that a cloud. You can play other stuff behind it. It's not just necessarily the cover two, because you know in cover three, even you have flat players. It's usually just my corners dropping deep, and my linebackers are a safety if he's rolled down is going to the flat. With cloud, you could play the corner as the flat player in the cloud. Rotate a safety over the top. So it's like functioning like cover three, but you know, some people call it cover six or so quarter quarter. So cover four on one side, cover two the other side, cover six, but you're still at 3D functionally. So, um, so they might be doing some of that. I didn't get a chance to watch a ton of them, but, um, you know, cloud a cloud corner is just a corner that's kind of rolled up in the flat. So you won't see him drop. And that may be only to one side, it could be into the boundary, it could be to the field. Um, but a cloud corner is just a rolled up corner.
0: Perfect. I, I know uh, you kind of mentioned that it's similar to, to BYU, and I think Jeff Scott, it was. I think he was kind of alluding to that this week. Uh, they'll they'll rush three, drop eight, and kind of make you kind of pick apart their zone uh, for for USF offensively. Uh, what will uh, Tim McClain have to do to? Uh, yeah effectively move the ball down the field. I I know he he's probably kicking himself uh, for missing those deep shots uh, two weeks ago, and he's going to want to take those shots again. Uh, He's not afraid of that, that type of, uh, you know, moment where he, you know, he's missed a few and he's not going to shy away from it. So uh, what, what can USF do to to effectively kind of get them out of their rhythm uh, defensively and then really kind of impact the game with the, the, the long ball, which has got uh, especially, you know, deep, Touchdown throws uh, has a, has eluded USF. Any really explosive touchdown plays has eluded
2: USF so far. Yeah. Uh, I, you know the it seemed like the formula that was working in the second half against BYU would be similar. If um, uh, there, I mean, there are some. De- if you're watching Tulsa, there are some times where it's like third and eleven, and the safety they're they have a middle of the field safety, and he's playing like 25 yards. So they're really not trying to let guys get over the top. Maybe they will play a little bit more aggressive as USF. So one thing USF can do is run the ball. They're able to run the ball successfully. Now you maybe have to get more aggressive with your safeties in the run game, and that's where you get play action shots over the top. But what they did a lot against BYU is they started to hit those intermediate routes, the kind of slants and the and the ten yard ends and and that kind of stuff off of play action. And then if you do drop back to pass and they only rush three, make them pay with your make them pay with your legs too. There there's um if you go back and watch them against Memphis, there's time where Memphis's quarterback has got like five or six seconds back there. He runs around, makes a guy miss, gets a first down. He's not nearly the runner McLean is. So if you get that time back there, don't be afraid to pull it down and make him pay. And just keep, you know, these defenses that are this is kind of a counter to all the really good offenses now as teams are are playing off and just begging you to move the ball down the field little by little not commit penalties, not commit turnovers, complete passes, that kind of stuff. So if, if you just kind of take what they give you, you can move the ball down the field. You just got to be you got to be sharp. You can't, you know, commit penalties. You know, if they're only letting you pick up – they'll let you pick up five yards every play, but now you commit a holding. Well, you know, now it's second and 20, so you pick up 10 on second and third down, you're off the field. So that's kind of the thing. But I think that in, in the passing game, it probably those intermediate areas, Um, kind of on the hashes, maybe middle of the field stuff, um, especially if they're playing those corners in cloud where they're just kind of in the flat. It's a tough spot um, to complete stuff going out. So maybe more stuff to the middle of the field between the hashes there and then run the ball. If they're going to only have three man down, spread them out, try to run it, especially with a running quarterback. See if you can create some problems there. (laughs) Yeah, the Bulls kind of—they uh, didn't get the the best, uh, you know, yards per carry uh,
0: game from from Jaron Mangum uh, two weeks ago uh, at SMU. Uh, they they need to kind of get him going. It seems uh, if if he's running the ball pretty well, uh, the Bulls are, are more effective. I, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Uh, if you run the ball well with your starting running back, you're going to be pretty good. But it, I, I think th- this offense kind of. More so than maybe expected. If Jaron's not really running the ball well, the, the whole kind of the rest of the offense kind of gets bogged down a little bit. Uh, so I think trying to get him, uh, you know, between the tackles and, and pop off those five, six yard gains uh, consistently you know, him and, and Brian Batie are so good at those, those jump cuts, you know, to gap to gap that I, I think USF is going to have to uh, do a little bit more of that. Maybe, maybe run some counter to kind of, get them a little bit more space, pull some guards, uh, you know, pull, you know, I, I love that. Uh, I don't even know what, what you call it where you bring the tight end up the middle uh, as a blocker
2: as well. Just like lead, feel, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, a, a, you know, insert, a little insert. bit more creative. Like,
2: so, yeah. I think they're going to have to do that in the run game if, because the three guys Tulsa has, they have, um, I, I believe his name, is Jackson player, number 90. He plays in for them, but he is like, a, he's a, you know, he's got to be 300-plus pounds. He's a really good player, can move really well. I thought he was, like, the second-best guy on their defense last year. Um, but he plays in. So, it, this is not like – they're not rush They're big bodies up there. But if you're going to pull guys, you can maybe pin them in with a good down blocks, have some angles for your blockers, use Wilcox as a blocker inside, see if you can kind of get some movement on those three double teams with the, with the linemen, use Wilcox and I, I mean, I would be interested in to see if you see uh, two tight ends like we we seen a little bit this year. Um, see how they line up to that, you know? Or does that give you any advantage? Because Chris Carter's come in and blocked really well when he's gotten the chance. So I think both those guys can add something to the run game. Absolutely. You mentioned the, the Tulsa's defense;
0: they've they've uh, been pretty good at get you know creating some havoc plays. Forty three tackles for loss already this season. Uh, Thirteen sacks. Um, they've. They forced twelve fumbles, um, which is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, they've only recovered, I think, three of them. Um, so, you know, some some turnover luck. And then on the flip side, there, uh, Tulsa has uh, coughed up the ball seven times and only lost one of them. So, uh, it, it's really kind of hit or miss. But I mean, they've you're you're just looking. Let me just count this out for you guys: 14, 15, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 17 different players have a tackle for loss I believe that number is more than USF has total uh but let it might me be double more than it. guys that have played a snap on defense for USF total yes uh, I was close USF has 18 tackles for loss as a team Tulsa has 17 players with at least one tackle for loss uh so <laughs> yes Adam Ferman right. Adam Furman, you're right. Tulsa is one of the most undisciplined teams. Uh, they saw what Charlie strong did and are tr- is trying to emulate it for some reason. Uh, they are the most penalized team in the, in the nation. Uh, Kelly Hines uh, or Hines, Hind, Hines, I believe covers Tulsa for uh, the, the newspaper over there. And she <laughs> did a deep dive on every single penalty over the last two and a half years uh, for Tulsa football. Uh Go check it out. Uh, That is some hardcore uh, journalism uh, that I don't think my brain could take going through every single penalty uh, that they've – They've had, uh, you know, I think for USF during the Charlie Strong year, I think it would take years off my life to go through everything. But uh, she did a really uh, good uh, story about that this week to to check out. And Steve, you were you were on a, a Tulsa uh, podcast this week, uh, the Golden Hercast. Uh How are how are those guys over there? What what were they kind of talking about the the game? And uh, you know, were they? more down on Tulsa, you know, they did lose to UC Davis, but they played Oklahoma state close. What's the, the kind of consensus or feeling from, from those guys over there?
1: Yeah. Sorry. I just looked it up. Holy shit. 245 penalties in two and a half seasons. Good God. Um, no. So, uh, I, yeah, I talked about the, uh, the golden Herd cast guys They're They're absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the, one of the better follows, uh, for fellow, uh, AAC Twitter folk, um, to get some unbiased, you know, looks into other teams and everything like that. Um the mood was kind of mellow uh for for the uh for the talk because there was a tornado uh warning going throughout Tulsa. So you know couldn't couldn't get too excited, too thrilled uh you know the drop the hat they're all perfectly fine though. Um but it, it seems like there's kind of this air of like, ah oh shit, we might be their first win in or first FBS win in seven hundred and 56 days, or whatever it is. You know, obviously, Tulsa is favored coming into this game. Uh, line started at 10. I think it's down to eight, eight and a half.
0: That's, I saw eight and a half.
1: So, there's a chance before kickoff, this will be a one score, you know, affair. Um, you know, coming, come betting time. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of weighing in. And I, I think some key injuries happening on Tulsa's defense, um, is kind of also saying, like, ah, uh, like this could be you know a, a bad loss but you know they they did respond very well from a 45 point just beat down by Houston to turn around and you know do a pretty good job of shutting down Memphis's offense you know Memphis is in a very up and down year right now you got one of the best receivers in college football Calvin Austin on Memphis's side and they did a pretty good job of you know limiting his damage to lead to a nice homecoming win for for Tulsa so you know i, I think the mood over there is is kind of like they know they know that there's a potential threat that usf will win this game and they're trying not to like come they're they're definitely not looking at usf lightly you know i think they're kind of in the same boat that you know the record indicates that they have played very tough opponents and they haven't gotten a chance to really spread their wings yet so overall i mean i'm excited to to watch this game and maybe potentially get a win on the books. Um, you know, I think they're also kind of looking for, for better sounding board and, you know, consistency on a week to week basis. Like you said, a loss to UC Davis, not great. Again, it's a win against Memphis is, is pretty good though, when it comes to the record book though.
0: Yeah. I mean, their, their other win was a, a shootout win over Arkansas state. Uh, and it's just so weird, you know, that you, they lose the UC Davis and then the very next week they play Oklahoma state, as well as you can with without winning the ball game, they lost twenty eight to twenty three, and then they kind of gave Ohio State kind of a run for their money early on in that game. The, the following week, uh, before uh, you know, Ohio State kind of turned it on and, and turned it into a three score win for them. Uh, so it, it, they're a little Jekyll and Hyde to for for me. I, I can't really get a good read on them. They're the the numbers, uh, you know say that they're they're pretty good on offense david davis brand is uh completing 58 percent of his passes he's thrown for i think 1600 yards if i'm not mistaken through five games um so they're they're okay in that in that regard they've got some they have some playmakers um let me make sure i get yeah so davis yeah 1649 yards uh eight touchdowns eight interceptions that could be an issue uh, they the eight, eight interceptions uh, in six games, um, but Josh Johnson is uh, the, seems to be the go-to guy uh, for, for Bryn. Uh, 35 receptions, 508 yards, two scores, uh, and then uh, Sam Crawford Jr. and Juan Carlos Santana both have 19 catches. for uh, One, uh, Crawford has 369 yards and three scores, and, and Santana has two eight, uh, 19 with uh, 282 and a score. Uh, as well. So it's it's Josh Johnson and then everyone else is option number two. And uh, USF's got to figure out how to stop them. They're getting some reinforcements back, um, which will help. Uh, Steve, you mentioned the, the spread uh, kind of going down to eight and a half. Uh, and it's really funny. Uh, you know, Jeff Scott talked about the the spread of the the four losses that they had. Uh, he said that the average, uh, you know, point spread was 24 going into the, the game, you know, combined, uh, between you know, NC State, Florida, BYU, and uh, SMU. And if you think these coaches and, and the players don't really read about this stuff or look into it, I assure you they do, they'll tell you. That they don't. Oh, I don't pay attention to that. They pay attention to it. They know. They know that this is the first. This will be the first game that it's not a double digit uh, point spread for them, uh, and they're. They know that this is an opportunity for them to kind of cement that they're they're turning the corner, uh, uh, just as a program. And uh, Seth, this would be a pretty good start to. Uh, the, the turnaround, right? Just getting getting a win at home uh, after your first five games were just an
2: absolute slog. Yeah, I think you've seen some positive momentum. Another interesting thing just in terms of betting about this game. So I think Steve mentioned uh, some places line open at 10. Um, but right as of right now, 83% of the bets are on USF and 96% of the money is on USF. So that means the bigger money right now. So probably the sharper money, right? The guys that maybe do this for a living and, and bet to make money, right? So they put up bigger bets. Their money's on USF right now. So
1: we're about to make some people broke.
2: <laughs> so so, so just to repeat, eighty six or I'm sorry, eighty three percent of the bets and ninety six percent of the money. So that's that's a typically a good indicator. Of where um, a lot of smart people think are kind uh, of who's gonna or how the game's gonna go, who's gonna cover. So that's pretty good. Um, I'm gonna throw up some some stats here to look at from our friend Stats of War Parker Fleming. Uh,
1: stats I must of War follow on Twitter. on Twitter.
2: Very yeah, very good on Twitter. Uh, let's see here. Here we go. So, this is his preview. He puts out. This is him. Stats of War. Excellent follow on Twitter. But he puts out an advanced stats preview um, that kind of gives you a really good indication. Now he doesn't have. Um, he has Tulsa winning and covering right now, just based on numbers. But when you look at the numbers here, you kind of see this game's really pretty even. It's going to really kind of depend, I think, on – it It appears it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, Neither defense is very good uh, statistically, and USS offense has started to really creep up um, kind of the the stats as the season's going on. They were really one of the worst the first two or three weeks. Last three weeks, they're starting to crawl up into like the 60s and 70s on a lot of numbers. Um, you see success rate on offense or 71st. That was in like the hundreds earlier in the season. ninth passing success rate, 67th rushing success rate. So that's basically the success rate is basically are you gaining the yards you need to gain? So if it's first down, are you gaining five yards or more? If it's second down, are you gaining half the distance? If it's third down, are you gaining first down? So one thing that's interesting about the numbers here that – I know Nate has really talked about the entire year. So he's got a, a measure of quality drives called Echo, right? So if you look here and if you can't see it, he has something called points per echo. So basically points per quality drive. So when you have a good drive, how many points do you get off of it, right? Right now, USF is getting 2.94 points per quality drive, which is one hundred and eighteen. So, we've seen them move the ball a lot this year and not finish. But the last few weeks, they're finishing a little bit better. So, you think back to North Carolina State, they got the ball in the red zone or really passed the 30, I think, three times, came away with no points. They finished a little bit better against Florida. FAMU did a better job. And then you're, you're seeing them start to get more and more quality drives and finishing drives a little bit better as the season goes on. So, Check out Parker for all these stats. If you're not sure what some of this stuff means, check out his sites at cfb-graphs.com. Really, really good information if you're looking for, like, the next level analytics on stuff. But, you know, the this game, I think, is going, going to be um a high-scoring game, kind of a shootout. You look at the defenses, there's a lot of red. The offenses, you know, right now he's got USF is kind of having a better offense than, than Tulsa. That's I think a lot of recent you know, recent success has really catapulted them since they kind of decided exactly who the quarterback is and what kind of offense we're going to be running. Because it, 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 these, the, the guys that were vying for quarterback were all different. So you're trying to run kind of a mishmash offense. Once you decided who your guy was, you've kind of seen them really work towards his strengths and do stuff he does well. And we're seeing that success grow and grow and grow. So you're hoping they keep taking the next step and that they would have the best unit on the field. They also may have the worst unit on the field. So it's kind of how does that difference, which one's able to kind of create a little more separation for them? Yeah. And you
0: mentioned it and a, kind of a nice little segue. Uh, you know, <clears throat> as you said, I've kind of harped on it all season long. It's finishing those drives inside the red zone. Tulsa, not great at finishing drives inside the red zone. They're 12, they've scored on 12 of 17 red zone possessions. But only eight of those 17 possessions have resulted in touchdowns. They've had to settle for field goals or not score at all. Uh, so, but on the flip side, uh, 16 of 19 uh, opposing offenses, uh red zone uh, scores, they've, they've scored 16 times in 19 tries, and 13 of those were touchdowns. So uh, on the flip side, defensively, if you get into the red zone, there's a pretty good chance you're scoring a touchdown against Tulsa. Uh, and USF over the last, I'd say, what three weeks or so, I, you know, SMU, uh, they got down there, uh, FAMU, they got down there, BYU, and maybe even the second half of Florida, they were able to get down to the red zone and and do some things. And that's what USF's going to have to do. They're going to have to punch in. You can't, you know, you're you're one and four. Uh, you're you're searching for your first FBS win at some point you've kind of got to be like, all right, I can't settle for a field goal here. I know it's the our, the first quarter and it's their first drive. We need to get points here. We need to set the tone, uh, settling for three when you know, you're, you, I mean, hopefully, you know, your defense probably can't stop them. I mean, at this point yet, you, you, you've got to until proven, uh, proven otherwise you have to assume the defense isn't going to get a stop. You have to stop trading seven for three. And I think, uh, for for Jeff Scott for this team for this offense to take that next step, you've gotta you've gotta be willing to leave three points all, all, all off the you know off the scoreboard because you know seven's gonna get the job done, three's not. Uh and, and you know at, at that point, I will be okay with them, you know, missing out on a, a possession in the red zone because they went for it. They they tried something, uh they went, they were gutsy. Because you you've got to be gutsy at this point. You're going on Uh, what over two years without a FBS win something's got to give man you got to do something you have to do you have to do something different why not why not in the red zone when
2: you're you're getting down there
0: uh, uh, quite a bit take some risk
2: yeah and and the thing against SMU I think was right they they had a yards per play advantage right (laughs) They just yep. didn't maximize the number of plays. So when you give yourself an advantage, you've got to maximize your plays to maximize that advantage. So hopefully, like Nate said, when they have the chance, I think you got you got to start thinking that your offense is your best unit right now. The defense has got a lot of guys in that are inexperienced. For whatever reason, they're not playing great right now. So you got to kind of lean on your offense and so be a little bit more aggressive with them and hope that they can make the plays that keep the defense off the field. And that'll lead to kind of – that'll lead to more success, more points, and, and a victory. So, I think you really got to start leaning on this offense and kind of treating them like they're a pretty good unit because the last three or four games – or last three games or so, they've showed they can be pretty good.
0: 100%. And you know, for USF, they're they're 16-20 in the red zone. Uh, 12 of those uh, have resulted in touchdowns. But, um, so they're a little behind pace of what the defense is uh, allowing. They've allowed uh, 14 touchdowns and 20 tries. Um, so you know, and that that can be a thing. You know, the BYU we look back at the BYU game, you get one fourth and goal stop, and it's a it's a whole different ball game. So that that's where I want to see USF uh, improve more. The next area, I mean, we talk about it, third downs. Uh, they're thirty percent on the year. They're giving up forty four percent. Tulsa, on the flip side, they're they're not great, uh, quite frankly, at either. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, they're <clears throat> converting thirty six percent on third down on offense, and they're allowing forty almost forty six percent defensively. So you can extend drives against this defense. Uh, you know. The num- the numbers bear that out. You can you can really move the ball on this team and extend drives. And uh, with with uh, a defense that's not great, uh, I think you saw it at the second half of BYU. You want to extend those drives and keep them off the field as long as possible.
2: Yeah, and and just to kind of put it in context, if you if you put third and fourth down together, Tulsa is actually worse defensively than USF is defensively in allowing third and fourth down conversions. So if you kind of feel like you know, USF's defense allows a lot of third and fourth down conversions, well, Tulsa allows even more. They're allowing uh, third and fourth downs together. They're 116th in the country, allowing almost 51% conversion rate. USF's 104th at 47% or 47.8%. So.
1: And that's against much lesser opponents as well. But Keith, I mean, I, I don't want to throw strength of schedule around there. You know, because I, I know everyone, I know Jeff Scott kind of mentioned today with the press conference about the first five games. You know, it's great. You can hang your hat on those things. But, you know, ultimately, USF is at the tougher schedule. And when you look at the numbers matched up against each other, you know, you can kind of tend to favor USF in this game because of that. You know, if the numbers are that even but USF's played tougher, you know, why not You know, throw a bit of money that way? <coughs>
0: Absolutely, um, I mean it. Really, kind of comes down to how how effective uh, Glenn Spencer and this defense. Uh, you know how seriously they took this bye week, and uh, hopefully they had you know a lot of tackling sessions. Um, you know, I hope the, if they went home last weekend, I hope they were tackling family members.
2: Just for reference, so SP Plus, uh, real quick, let's talk about strength of schedule. SP Plus uh, BYU. Um smu and Florida are all top 25 offenses in terms of SP plus. Florida's five, SMU 16, BYU's twenty-five. So this USF defense has had to play some pretty good offenses so far.
1: Thinking of which, what did Bill Connolly have the game at? Are he released those already? Yeah, he released them this morning, I think. Well, this morning. Yeah, this morning. And I'm so bad at looking at these.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ohio oh, state, state is number one for reference in uh on offense. Uh
1: he has Tulsa, he has Tulsa winning 33 to 22. So hits the under, but Tulsa covers.
0: So there you go. Wow. I didn't know Bill Hayden my team. If it's any
1: it. consolation, he has basically the exact same score for the UCS Cincinnati game, too.
0: There you go. Interesting. Um, a pretty light week. Oh, man, my voice.
1: <laughs> I think I'll finish Nate's statement. A pretty light week for the conference this week, isn't it? There it is. There, there it is. is.
0: Wow. Uh, Stig, uh how many How many games are, are going this week? Three.
1: <laughs> Three in the American. Happening, everyone is on a bye this week except for Navy and Memphis, USF and Tulsa, and uh, Cincinnati and UCF. And like all of the games are at noon, so the AAC will be uh, flipping this, flipping the uh, calendar early this week.
0: Absolutely. Um, man, I wanted to quickly pull up. Let me see if did I type in the address? Yeah, I did. Sorry. I wanted to quickly kind of go through. I mean, we're halfway through the season. Let's kind of take a look at where where the conference stands, um, if my internet would freaking work. All right, here we go. Um, so, as everyone expected, uh, Houston is uh, first in the conference so far. They're 3-0 uh, in, in conference, 5-1 overall. Uh, it seems like maybe Dana Horgerson uh, kind of figures something out. Through, uh, through six games, uh, SMU's 2-0, uh, Cincinnati 1-0. Both of them are still uh, undefeated and, uh, you know, followed closely behind uh, our four teams at uh, one and one in the conference, uh, Central Florida, ECU, Temple, and Tulsa. Um <sighs> It's such a jumbled mess, man. Uh, we do the the AAC, uh, you know, blog rankings every single week. The, the power rankings uh, through fear of the wave, and man, I after one th- really after one, two, and three with uh, Cincinnati, SMU, and in Houston, it's a crapshoot. Like who who is the worst team right now? Is it is it Tulane who's kind of lost their way? Is it, is it USF because of their record? Uh, I don't know. It's th- this conference is such a hot mess uh, from four to 11. I, I really don't have a good read on, on, frankly, any of these teams.
1: It feels like, you know, not to get into the AAC blogger poll universe too much. And this is just off of my gut reactions of watching the first six weeks of college football. I, I can kind of characterize right now the, the frauds of this con of this conference temple's a fraud at their current (laughs) layout i i do not believe that 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 is a good team uh whatsoever and i'm absolutely jinxing this as well um they just i I don't feel inspired by ron Carey's offense and i think you know playing one of the worst fcs schools in the country uh coupled with a, a pretty decent upset over memphis who we're now kind of finding out is rather inconsistent and i don't remember who their other one was Um, Oh, Akron. Who's terrible. Who's terrible. So your three wins, which are boosting you up to the top half of this conference are questionable at best. Uh, and then Houston, I feel like is also pretty fraudulent this year so far. No, I haven't been very convinced and they have had a pretty light start to this year as well. Um, I have a feeling they'll probably trip themselves down the rest of the schedule and, and not stay on top much longer. Um, yeah, I, like this conference is like bad this year. It's just everyone's just gonna beat up on each other, and then Cincinnati's gonna win handedly.
2: Yeah, I think I don't. I don't know. Bad. It's just a lot of. I think there's a lot of similarities. There's not, um, you know, I you know the teams with the pretty good quarterbacks are, are kind of one and th- the the best quarterbacks in the conference are one and two. And then I think it's kind of a jumble like USF's got a young quarterback. Uh, you know, Memphis, I don't know, first year starter. So and then you you like UCF, all the you know, the injuries, all that kind of stuff. I think it's No, just, no, no,
1: they're they're a top fifteen team. They're just injured. They're they're undefeated, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't, it doesn't count if your quarterback gets injured after uh, the last play, when the last, after the last whistle, I think that still counts as a loss. That's just me, though. Yeah, um,
1: it's a shame that their starting quarterback from the beginning of the year wasn't playing, nor is one of their key running back contributors, nor pretty much most of their secondary, and also they're missing some of their actually their top wide receiver threat. Oh wait, this just sounds like USF with just a few more hoops to jump through. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I, I think it. I think after the the top two, I think there's some there's a clear some clear tiers. where you have Cincinnati and then maybe the next tier is SMU and maybe Houston. And then after that is to me, everybody else, I think this is, that's how it feels to me that you, it's kind of one of those things where any, any one of these teams, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you told me any one of these teams beat any of the other, of these teams, if you don't include kind of Cincinnati. really, if you don't include Cincinnati, um, SMU even I wouldn't be shocked if somebody rose up and beat them cuz their defense is not great. So if they turn the yeah. ball over they can get got. But so Cincinnati is the only team that if you told me somebody in the conference beat them I'd be surprised. Um but right. nobody else. I think it's pretty there's a lot of parity. I mean 2 weeks ago, right? May what, 3 weeks ago I guess
0: at this point. Um I I would I would have told you absolutely Navy is the worst team in the conference and then they go and beat Central Florida, and the I think the week prior
2: they played uh, Houston close. Yeah, kind of out of nowhere, <laughs> they were really bad, and then all of a sudden they play Houston pretty competitively, and then beat UCF, and now I think they might be a favorite against Memphis. I'm not sure, or, or, and then or a slight dog. Yeah, and then uh, they they nearly beat
0: SMU last week, right? So whoever, whoever is, uh, finishes last in this conference, it'll be, it'll be a shock. And also like, Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's like, it's, there's not going to be like, uh, Oh yeah, this is definitely the team that's going to be last. I mean, it it very well. Oh my gosh, my voice. It very well could still be USF finishing last this year, but I I don't see it happening. I didn't pick them to finish last. I still believe that they're not going to finish last in this conference I think there are still. I I don't think ECU's uh, great. Uh, Stig, you harped on uh, Temple being ass, um, and, and and I I really don't think Tulsa's great. I I can't I can't get behind a team with a bad coach, and uh, Temple and Tulsa are the two that just stick out as they've got some bad
2: coaches. And you get both those games at home, so you know that's also a big advantage for USF. Uh, I don't think there's no game on the schedule that is a guaranteed win. There's not like – I think we'll get to our predictions at the end, I think, but I don't think any of us would be shocked if this was a loss. I think we all feel pretty good about the game for for USF, but none of us would be shocked if they lost. But these are definitely winnable games coming up, and these next two are at home against teams that you match up pretty well with statistically. And I think on a talent level, these are definitely gettable.
1: And I I think that's something that ultimately I would like us to harp on for the rest of the week is there's a very big difference between a winnable game and a game that USF will win. You know, and I think that's going to get lost in the shuffle this week, and I can already see it now. But I think people are going to if if a loss does happen on Saturday, you know, there's going to be uh, I think a few more people that are going to go scorched earth here. Without kind of taking the context of you know Tulsa still favored, Tulsa on paper is technically better, and Tulsa at the end of the day you know has more wins this year than USF does, and so you you put all that together and you can say yeah you know Tulsa should win this, but you know I think some people are, are confusing winnable and and will win in this circumstance.
0: <laughs> oh, Steve, absolutely, hundred um, percent. You know before. Uh-huh. Uh, do you guys want to do predictions and then kind of wrap up with some basketball or do you want to hit basketball real quick and then do the prediction?
2: Um, Let's Let's save the predictions for last. Let's see you go out
0: on a high note. Yeah. All right. So we had uh, the virtual um, AAC media days for men's and women's basketball uh, on, on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I was lucky enough that my, my lunch break lined up so I could actually talk talk to Brian Gregory and Jose Fernandez, uh, as they uh, spoke with media, uh, today. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, it was interesting. Brian Gregory basically said, you know, the, the, big question mark for this team, uh, you know, outside of continuity is, uh, there's a lot of guys going up a level and he, he acknowledges that they're, you know, yeah, you know, Trevon green, uh, you know, shot 45%, um, Jake Boggs shot really well from outside, but can can it translate to, you know, a a higher level of conference? And that's it was really, I know, I don't know, refreshing, I guess, to hear, you know, BG kind of say, yeah, you know, this is one of the question marks that we've got. it We're going to have to answer uh, this year What 10 new guys, um, Jameer Chaplin and uh, Russell uh, Chua and Caleb Murphy are are the returners, as well as uh, Mark Kalea. So there's scholarship
1: just, basketball player, Mark <laughs> Sch-
0: scholarship basketball player, Mark Kalea. Um, Thank you. So yeah, there's still a lot of question marks. Um, pardon uh, Mateo's uh, Mateo from uh, New Mexico state, New Mexico, New Mexico, New Mexico. Uh, he's a big body. Uh, him and she are going to uh, kind of, clog up the lane a little bit. Uh, Caleb Murphy said he, he wanted to work on his defense and, uh, you know, his outside shot. And he kind of realized, uh, you know, midway through the season last year that, you know, in high school on those pick and rolls, he could just get to the hoop because, you know, he was the most athletic guy on the court. And now he's got to figure out how to to work around that and be a little bit better with the ball. Um, and I think, you know, we can all agree the the COVID pauses for both teams were not great and it, it seemed to affect uh you know both greatly. So hopefully when they don't have the COVID pause, I mean men's basketball was competitive against, you know, Wichita State and, and Cincinnati. And then you know, you throw in the Tom Heron thing. <clears throat> it was kind of a recipe for disaster. And they were picked uh to finish ninth in the conference tied with Tulane. Not last. Not last. ECU picked last in the conference, and then obviously Houston was uh, picked as the favorite on the men's side. Uh, And then on the flip side, your reigning defending regular season and tournament champion South Florida Bulls picked first again for the second year in a row to win the conference. And they returned 90 percent of their scoring, and then they poached. Two two girls from Memphis. They got a couple of transfers. Uh, It's going to be fun. This is going to be a really fun team. I'm so excited for women's basketball again this year. Um, Jose Fernandez, he was wearing a... I believe it was a, uh, the South Florida strong shirt. Uh, it was a, the gray golden Brahmins uh, shirt. And he kind of teased that it's the 50th uh, anniversary of USF basketball. And there may be some throwback uniforms uh, this year in November and December. So keep a, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Uh, you know, Shane, Betty are back. Uh, I mean, this this team is just absolutely loaded. I'm so excited for this team uh, to kind of kick going. I think they've got eighteen more pra- eighteen more practices left. I think before yeah. uh, they they start the season. And man, it's a it's a gauntlet of a non conference schedule. They play the defending champion uh, Stanford Cardinal. They play Tennessee. I mean, it's they could play UConn if if uh, you know the bracket kind of lines up in one of their uh, tournaments. I'm so excited. I, I can't, I can't get over it.
1: I did a, I did a pretty decent write up on them today. And I, I relived some, some great memories and some really terrible memories of basketball and boy that was like less than like eight months ago, which is weird to think about. Um, but yeah, I, the, the really interesting thing that I've, I got from Brian Gregory's press conference was, that he, I mean, we talked about it all last year is that the team last year was just rock fight after rock fight after rock fight, you know, 52 to 53 games and not really exciting and couldn't really score. And Brian Gregory basically, right off the bat, was like, Yeah, this team's going to score. Like they know how to score. Now it's about, you know, getting defense and, and rebounding, which I feel like kind of speaks to the new coaches that were brought in with Lewis Rowe and, and Jason Slay. Uh, I think that they're going to be looking to kind of switch up from this, you know, stout defensive team. And and you can kind of see in the transfers that got in that, you know, they're, they're leaning away from, you know, these low scoring rock fights and are going to try to score points and boys. And that a novel concept in basketball, Um, you know, really wish we we knew that last year, but, you know, I, I think I'm excited to see what, you know, Brian Gregory cooks up. You know, I, I, I know they're going to come out slow. Thank God they're you know opening up an exhibition game against a college that I don't really even think is real. Uh, Voorhees College, I don't think is a real place. I, I think Voorhees? they're driving
2: Voorhees. Get into the Halloween spirit.
1: Yeah, so they they start that on November first. I you know not a real place, probably. You know that'll be a nice kind of way for them to play against someone else, and you know. hopefully not lose an exhibition game but you know i i I think in the opposite of of the you know women's basketball schedule they really you know needed a a light exhibition and light preseason conference to get the ball rolling get the get the gel really meshing with everyone since it's basically eight new faces plus two new coaches so 10 new faces from the roster last year and then you know i we can preach women's basketball all day and night they're they're going to blow some schools out of the water. Like, I mean, I'm, I look forward to the USF Memphis game where Dulcie vencom Vancom, I, I cannot pronounce her name and I will learn how to pronounce before the end of the season, but in the return trip to Memphis, I mean, they'll probably put up, she'll probably put up like a, a, a triple double at least uh, probably go for like 30 or 40 points just to, just to really rub it in, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll probably we'll probably hit triple digits that game.
0: Yeah, if I if I if I don't see a couple uh, hundred burgers uh, this year, but t- from uh, women's basketball, I'm going to be disappointed. I, they, is- they've, they've got shooters everywhere. They've got talent everywhere. Uh, you know, Jose's got some real talent. And it's going to be interesting to see how the rotation shake out. And, you know, he he likes to play, you know, nine uh, at any one time. Uh, it's going to be interesting which which nine there are uh, because they bring a lot of that top talent back from last year. Uh, Sydney Harvey, uh, Elena uh, Shnekeki, I mean uh, Eliza Pinzon, I mean it's on and on and on down the list, man. I'm so excited for women's basketball, and we'll we'll as we creep closer toward the season, we'll we'll dig in deeper. Uh, but it, it just. Uh, it's fun to see a, a team pick first that has a legitimate shot to to win the this uh, this whole tournament again, uh, win win the regular season again, and and just start. It's time to start stacking titles for Jose. At this point, he's been here for twenty two years. And this is this is the title stacking portion of his USF career. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, the moment you've all been waiting for. It's prediction time. As Seth and I have really honed in on this team so far this year, Stieg is still uh, a wayward lost boy um, who has not gotten close at all.
1: I was kind of close on the the
0: Florida AM game. You weren't, though. Here's the thing. in a real
2: sense and and,
0: and you know what quite frankly uh you you uh you weren't here for it so you didn't give a prediction so right
1: you're that's when i was having my mental breakdown i forgot (laughs) that
0: old thing that old thing (laughs) thing. so uh seth let's kick things off man uh prediction who's gonna win thoughts what what's the what, what do you think
2: Listen, I'm not going to be a jerk and sit on here and pick Tulsa. <laughs> Even though they're favored by eight and a half points, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to go, because I think this is what the score is going to need to be if they if they want to win. I'm going to go, let's go 38-35 US. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game based on the stats. Let's give the home team the win, though. 38-35. So you're going with the
0: the over and and a cover with a straight up win. That's right.
2: You, I, I mean, only a real jerk would pick Tulsa. Really putting me in a corner here, Seth. <laughs>
0: uh, just a real jerk. Yeah, just a just an absolute jerk would pick uh, would pick Tulsa to win, huh?
2: Only a hater.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: Somebody not on the McLean train. Just, a, just a real not a believer in Jimmy Horn. <laughs> a... what's, I. Okay, what's your pick,
0: <laughs> man? Uh, I think USF covers, so it's within eight and a half points. So we're there. I. I think it's going to be a fairly high scoring game as well. I think, you know, Tulsa's shown that they can they can put up points against bad defenses. Um I think for USF to win they're going to have to score 40 points. So, I'm going to say 45 41 South Florida. Oh. Okay, now I reserve the right to change it when we do our pregame show, just in case wow. you know some late breaking injury news. I always, Seth, I always ask if you want to. I, I ask you, That's this true. is what your position was You're earlier in the week. You wanna, do you want to? Do you want to stand by it and, and uh, you know I, adjust accordingly? Um, so I, I'll stand by it for now. I think USF is going to have to put up. Some big numbers. They're going to have to finally have a touchdown longer than nine yards uh, to really have some success here. Um, but yeah, Steig,
2: no.
1: well, offended offended I won't you You won't. You won't even ask me if I want to change my prediction before the game.
2: You got to get on the pregame show, Steig. Oh, yeah, we yeah, tried yeah. to I ask you almost, what, when you were when you were remoting in, but it didn't work out.
1: Yeah, it was, it was way like, I mean, I'm sure you guys could hear me fine. Uh, but they had a DJ that was just pumping music the entire time. <laughs> Couldn't hear shit. Um, have you guys seen, uh, have you guys seen Mamma Mia?
2: Here you go again. Yeah.
1: See, so, yeah, it's a good movie. Um, I was watching it yesterday, actually, just to, uh, just to relive the glory days of my life. Loved, loved Mamma Mia growing up. My sister maybe watched it like 5 million times, um, and, uh, and Pierce Brosnan says something really important towards the end of that movie. He says USF is going to win fifty-five to ten, easy, easy money, easy money, mamma mia! Can't believe you would have bet against USF. My my. How can I forget you?
2: <laughs> I heard that was improvised. That was, yeah. You know, all, all those
0: years, all those uh, years later, it's still, it's still a weird fit into that movie. Um, Amanda Seyfried's face when he says it is just uh, her, her eyes got real big.
1: <laughs> I, like, I can't believe you're betting on the University of South Florida to win against Tulsa in the year 2021. Good Lord, Pierce! Yeah,
0: Sam. he's. Is that his name in the movie?
1: Yeah. yeah, I had to look it up because I, I, I wanted to say Colin. I know it's not Colin.
0: I feel like he's a Colin in some movie.
1: I mean, he just gives me like, Colin vibes, you know. He might he, be not, not Colin isn't sure it, when, but
2: isn't one of the other guys Colin Firth in the movie? So maybe that's maybe you're getting those that's who I was crossed. thinking of. Mm. Mm. One this of the potential is, baby daddies, right? Uh, this may be the Illuminati podcast "Mamma Mia" edition. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the film room. We're going to go over "Mamma Mia." Yeah, actually, no film room.
0: No film room this week. No film room this week. Um, so there you have it, folks. Uh, Stieg really went out on a win. uh broke his rule. Fifty-five to ten, USF. Uh, Seth, uh, you know, uh, thirty-eight, thirty-five. I think that's a good. Good choice. You know, I think, what was it, 2014, USF came back, uh, you know, and, and won. Um, I think it was the SMU game, 38-30. Uh, kind of still kind of the same kind of thing. Not quite there yet. Uh, Mike White uh, led the comeback there. I was it Tulsa? Maybe it was yeah, Tulsa. That was, that was the Andre
1: Davis game where he made it. That was the Andre. Man, why was
0: I? Yeah, why was I thinking it was SMU? Mm. Interesting.
1: That was Quentin Flowers 1.0 when they made him take snaps under center for the first time in mm. his life in a wet, soggy Dallas stadium.
0: Yeah, not, not Willie's best moment, but it's okay. He figured it out eventually. But yes, the, the comeback, the 3830 comeback. Um I think USF's gonna have to put up some points usF's margin their USF's three and one all time against Tulsa uh, and their margin of victory is like five point six points. So when they win they' they don't really blow anyone out. Uh, so I, I think we're in line there. Uh, Steeg, God bless you. Um, but you know
1: it, the day that I'm gonna be right, like we're just gonna have to shut down the
0: pod it's it's gonna i i pal I've already been right once this year i, I don't need to do it again <laughs> I mean again literally gonna live off of that for the rest of my life uh it's gonna pay my bills for sure um any, any final thoughts before we sign off and and, and say good night
2: do we still have our promo code?
0: Oh that's an interesting question I'll have to double check uh make sure you guys go to homefieldapparel.com uh, they they were kind enough to partner with the Daily Stampede, uh, and, and they have six amazing shirts that are very comfortable. Seth, can you attest to how comfortable the shirts are? Very comfortable.
2: Very, very comfortable. Very baby soft. Uh,
0: make sure you go check them out. They finally got the USF line after uh, Stieg, Senator Giggity. Uh, the blog, everyone kind of harassing them for, for two years to get this thing done. Um, and finally, uh, USF and, and CLC and home field of well, the stars aligned and we got it all put together. Um, I'll double check on that promo code. If it does still work, it's daily stampede. And for first time customers, you get 15% off your order site wide. Uh, and I think they're coming out with some uh, Georgia tech stuff this week. Um and they've got some cool logos as well uh, you know support support other schools you've got the the Colorado State uh, mines school of, school of mines school, of, school mines. of mines
1: school of the ore diggers how could you forget the ore diggers that's blaster they're actually uh, undefeated and i think top 5 in division
2: 2, two? yeah i'm trying uh, to
1: I'm trying to follow them.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Um, just a, a great organization. Uh, I'm glad that they were, they were kind enough to partner with us on this release. Um, it's been great. Um, yeah, th- that's it. Let's wrap the show up uh, again. This has been the blue night podcast proudly presented by Irish 31. Make sure you guys go check out uh, there. There are seven great locations. There's one in Oviedo, uh, West chase, Wesley Chapel, Seminole, uh, Hyde Park, uh, West Shore. uh, I think I'm forgetting one. Sarasota uh, has one as well. Make sure you go check them out. Uh, Jay Mize, uh, former uh, inaugural USF Bull, uh, is the founder. Go check them out. They've got great drink specials. Uh, We'll have something set up for uh, the 28th. Um, But hey, let's let's go catch a dub. Let's go catch an FBS dub this week. How about it?
1: Yeah.
0: Good night. Stay safe. We'll see you guys on Saturday. We'll have the pregame show. We'll have the preview up this week. Uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. Wow. I'm going to try to remember to bring my, my tripod so we can maybe do a post game show, um, and make sure I, I bring the attachment and it doesn't fall apart. I'm staring at it right now. Uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, but in the meantime, make sure you check us out. Stampede SBN on, on Twitter. Uh, Bulls Nathan SBN on Twitter. Uh, Robert Steeg Life on Twitter. Seth Varnador on Twitter. And uh, go Bulls. Have a good rest of your week. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.